0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of one for all that weekly show where we rewatch and review the anime my hero academia as always I am your host Anna and I am here with my wonderful co-host Nancy now today we are going to be taking a look at a funnel funnily a a fun episode title I feel like it brings back different kind of memories than the ones we're we're gonna see in the actual show it's called Mm -hmm. an unpleasant talk and it is season four episode six.
1: I remember in this episode, we meet a lot of characters.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of characters who aren't going to get a whole lot of character development.
1: Unfortunately. And there's also a lot of sort of table setting for what's going to be the rest of this arc.
0: Yeah, which is going to go non-stop to the end. Yep. It's, you're going to blink and it'll be over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, we're going to meet some new people with new powers.
1: Very exciting.
0: And we're not going to have the talk with our parents in this episode, which is what an unpleasant talk reminds me of mm-hmm, I every, figured <laughs> every, time, every time I hear it. But I think, no, we haven't talked about our weekend in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty good. Are you doing pretty
1: good? I'm doing well. I'm actually on vacation this upcoming week, which is pretty exciting. Where I get to do things like go to the zoo with my family for Father's Day and cut back a giant bush in the back of the house. So... Lots of thrilling things coming up.
0: There is a, a bush here at the house which is consuming the side of Nancy's property.
1: Yeah, it's a little invasive and needs to be pruned aggressively.
0: With clippers. Yes. Very big clippers. What are those called? Shears. With shears.
1: I don't have those. I'll figure it out though.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, you're going to be out there with the little ones mm-hmm. slowly trimming away.
1: Mm-hmm. It's going to be a multi-day process, I think.
0: Anyway, that's what you need to know about us, we're enjoying the summer. Nancy has vacation. We're going to hit that episode. Oh, we're not going to hit that episode. This is a reminder.
1: That we are on a slightly different schedule for the time being. So we have lost our buffer (laughs) amount of pre-recorded episodes. So as a result, for the time being, we are going to be airing every other week. So if you notice that we weren't here last week, that is why.
0: Yep. We are rebuilding the buffer as best we can. By meeting every week, even though we only release every other week. Mm-hmm. And slowly our buffer will become big and strong and take us all the way to the end of the podcast because Super buff. I mean, realistically, we're in season four and season five is airing right. It's now.
1: airing right now. We are also running out of show, so that is another factor. <laughs> a, a secondary benefit. <laughs> yes.
0: But we're gonna hop into this episode and tell you about all the characters that we get to meet, including a person with a mantis head, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. We'll see you soon. And we're back from an unpleasant talk.
1: Very unpleasant. But we don't start off with that. We actually start off with the kids at school, only they're not going to go to classes today. We see a conversation between... Deku and Kirishima being like, hey, we're going to our work studies for today. Isn't that strange that we're both going to our work studies? And then
0: Ochako and Sue are like, hey, you're going to your work studies. What a kowinki ding.
1: coincidence. And they go on the train and they realize that they're going to the same stop. And it eventually is confirmed that they are going to the exact same place.
0: Because the big three are there. Mm-hmm. And they are waiting for them.
1: Yeah, And not only the big three, the door is eventually open and they realize that they're in a room full of heroes.
0: Big heroes, little heroes.
1: Every everything. Um including some heroes that we know. Uh Gran Torino is there.
0: Eraserhead is there.
1: Eraserhead here. is there. And all of the mentors for the work studies are here as well. So Fat Gum, Night Eye
0: Like Smash Ultimate. Everyone is here.
1: Everyone is here. Including a ton of new characters that we're gonna touch on if we discuss the episode.
0: And it turns out that they are all getting together to share information about Overhaul and Company. Because I have a really hard time pronouncing their mob name.
1: Shie Hasekai?
0: Yeah. Something like a, that. A bit of a tongue twister for me, at least.
1: Bubble Girl is leading the talk. in The brief. At, at, brief, at least at first, where she talks about tracking them down
0: everyone's like why did this investigation start like what prompted you to look into this and nine eyes like look they move in lots of money like they're trying to get more funding they're growing their manpower like they're making moves in the background which are suspect we decided to take a look and then there is a centipede man
1: Yes, who talks about, you know, further investigating and finding out that they are now involved with Twice. So they're also involved with the League of Villains.
0: Yeah, making connections with all sorts of bad actors. And they're like, they reached out to the League of Villains. We weren't able to follow them initially, but we were able to figure out where they ended up. And it looks like they had some form of an altercation, which was bad. But we don't know how that ended for either side. But this really isn't enough for people that are like well that's bad and all but they haven't like done anything yet that we can confirm right mm-hmm. and i mean heroes are there as response units
1: yes so that's when the whole issue of this mysterious drug gets brought in the
0: mystery d- drug karishima is like why am i here
1: yes it's funny it's his internal monologue in this is actually kind of relatable because first he's like why am I here and then later in the episode he's like this is all kind of confusing and overwhelming and I'm like yeah actually there's a lot going on here thank you Kurishima.
0: Well it turns out that Fat Gum has provided some information on drug dealing in the area because he used to deal with like drug dealers all the time Mm -hmm. and Overhaul's crew gets a lot of its money dealing drugs. Yes. So they asked the Hero Network, this is the first time we have the Hero Network mentioned, the HN, for more information.
1: Some sort of an online resource that the kids don't have access to.
0: Only pro heroes have access to the Hero Network. And Fat Gum's like, yo, mystery drug from last episode.
1: And we give a bit of an update on that for Sun Eater, our member of the big three, that even though he lost his powers then, they did come back overnight, I believe. Yep. He now has a cow hoof for a hand if he wants. And Fat Gum also mentions that because Kurishima heroically threw himself in the way of danger and he has that sort of impenetrable skin, they were able to gather a sample of it.
0: Yep, they were able to get the dart that hit him that was not broken Mm -hmm. and hadn't been injected. And it turns out, in fact, I was real mad about this, they found human blood and cells inside this particular bullet. And everyone's like, oh my god, like, what's up with that? But poor Deku and Mirio in the back are like... Their blood goes cold.
1: Yeah, because here's where everything sort of all connections are made. Like, we know that this organization is dealing with drugs. We know that overhaul is involved. And we know that the drugs that are made are made basically using human experimentation. They're made using someone's quirks to cancel out other people's quirks, which indicates that Ari, the little girl who was covered in bandages, may be the source of this drug. And when they realize they left a tiny child to be experimented upon, they feel so much guilt over this
0: yeah, there's two really important things here too karishma doesn't really understand what's going on mm-hmm. at first when they're explaining yeah. everything he's like i don't know what you mean a couple of things that we miss because we're going very quickly yeah the drug that is administered actually damages someone's quirk genes yes like they found that out when they brought Sunnyer to the hospital mm-hmm. the second is they point out that overhauls quirk is the ability to disassemble and, mm-hmm. like, reassemble things. Yeah. Which, is, the implication is that he's literally taking Ari apart and then reconstructing her quirk as a bullet.
1: Which is, uh, damn dark. And it's interesting to watch the interactions between the characters in this particular scene because there are definitely some different personalities at play. You have people, like... Night Eye and Gran Torino and Eraserhead who are very cautious and careful individuals. Um, And then you have people like Fat Gum who is clearly, like, rearing a go. He wants to take care of this thing. He's very passionate. Um, he's similar to Karishima in that way, actually, in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, you have Deku and Mirio, who feel a lot of guilt for not rescuing Eri in that situation. And then you have a brand-new character. Do we get his name this time? No. Yeah, we have a brand-new character, and he has dark skin, and he has all these lock sort of symbols on his costume. And he... Is pissed that the kids are here.
0: He's like, "Why? I I get that they're from UA and everything, Mm -hmm. and they're pretty impressive and all, but should we really have the children
1: involved in this situation?" And if it's interesting because if you watch him as a character, like none of the things that he says in this situation are out of line necessarily or wrong. Like he seems like he's very smart, but his delivery with it is just very very grumpy <laughs> it comes across
0: as grumpy and self-superior yeah like,
1: and a bit a little hostile in some uh situations which is interesting for your first black character
0: yeah this is an interesting choice for yeah. sure but i mean as nancy said he does have some valid points yeah. we're dealing with somebody who can disassemble people should we be bringing the children to this one but largely the discussion that's going on right now is how are we going to find this girl right like she got loose heroes saw her they're going to hide her away and the mob has lots of land yes. and like facilities.
1: And basically the reason why there are so many people in this room right now is because they have narrowed things down. So some possible locations that they want people to look into. And there's a map on the wall and they show all the locations.
0: Yep. And there's a ton of them. And there's a couple minor heroes there who are like, that's why you invited us. We work those territories mm-hmm. and like we know them really well.
1: Which is very smart. I feel like in a lot of situations you have people sort of sometimes in the superhero shows or stories or in life sort of barging into situations they don't know a lot about and that creates problems. So picking people that already know the territory shows a lot of intelligence on Night Eye's part.
0: Yep. He has planned this out intricately Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, you know, you're real careful for someone who used to work with All Might and he's like, we're not All Might. Yeah. Like we can't just bust on through. And do whatever we want. Like, we have to make careful calculations. We need to do our investigation. We need to act smart Mm -hmm. instead of fast.
1: Yeah, and Fat Gum does not appreciate this. Like, in his mind, he's very much in a similar place to Deku and Mirio, even if he doesn't have the guilt involved. At some point in this conversation, all three of them jump out of their chairs because all three of them are super fired up and they want to save this child in danger. But not everyone necessarily feels that way. Gran Torino encourages caution and Eraserhead actually wants to dig a little deeper into Night Eyes powers he's like listen you can see the future what's the point in us running around and checking out all these locations if you can just tell us where to go
0: yep and we get an explainer for Night Eyes powers here that's a little more detailed I'm gonna say that I don't think that this is 100% accurate because yeah. we know that he has looked far into All Might's future
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he says he can only see one person per day
1: for like an, for an hour's hour worth. and then he can't see anything else for a whole other day
0: Yeah, so he's like, I I can't do that for every single one of you. Like, it doesn't work that way. And he says, it's like watching a movie in reverse. Mm -hmm. Like, I can just see what you're going to do... And like what those interactions r- result in, I can't see anything else other than like what's around you, mm-hmm. like little pieces of the environment and stuff like that. And Eraserhead's like, that's still a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. And why don't we do that? And he's very adamant. No, mm-hmm. no, he's very adamant that he does not want to do that.
1: Yeah, very cagey on the details.
0: He he kind of points out, what if somebody dies terribly? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, well, we'll just avoid it if we know. Mm-hmm. But Nighteye is convinced and we have seen no evidence to the contrary thus far that the fates that he sees can be avoided.
1: And the character we mentioned before with all the locks on his costume, he volunteers says, well, I don't care. Just see my future um, and I can deal with the consequences. But Nighteye once again refuses and he says, you know what? We're only going to use my powers when we really need to.
0: Yeah, when we have a better, the best shot of using them to benefit, like we will use them. And it's clear that Nobody here is really satisfied with this answer, but I can understand to a certain extent where Eye is coming from. I think he feels like if he sees somebody's death, he's not 100% sure that he hasn't caused it.
1: Yeah, like he feels some responsibility there. And it's also, you know, it's a very practical choice. Like if you had this amazing power, but you could only use it once a day you would probably only want to use it when you know you were in like a dangerous situation like this when it really counted and it and it you know we get him commentary from all these other characters throughout this episode about how careful he is so this action and this decision really lines up well with this character
0: yeah absolutely i think it's a really in character decision it Mm -hmm. reinforces like the nervousness he had about all might's fate Mm mm-hmm and his reluctance to look too far. Mm-hmm. Into someone's future. I think he can look much further than an hour if he wants to. But he mm-hmm. doesn't. Yes. Uh, as, a, as a point of note, based off of previous information. Yeah. But everyone is very frustrated. But they're like, we're going to go. We're going to find some stuff out. And we're going to save this girl. Yeah.
1: And I think it's kind of interesting. Like, at the beginning, uh, well, in the mid- middle of this episode, after the credits, there is a, lots of dark imagery around Aerie. And there is this image of Aerie, you know, this very innocent little girl in her nightgown and overhauls mask like the beak trying opening and trying to bite her basically like it's so big it's bigger than her and I feel like this imagery you see throughout the episode and just the conversation that you see between these characters really drive home that the stakes have been raised there is a child in danger and that is a big deal and everyone takes it very seriously but it definitely like these images and these reactions it it lets the audience know that prepare for things to be more dangerous this time around
0: yeah like they made a big deal about how they could actually help on the work study in earlier episodes well this is why because shit's about to get real
1: yeah really real
0: And, you know, we know, like, from the show, we don't see a lot of character deaths, but we know that people die in the line of duty, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when you think about overhauls, Quirk, he's already killed um, Magni. Magni.
1: Yeah, and took away Mr. Compress's arm. arm. So that is a reinforcement of what we've already seen, that when we're going to be dealing with overhaul, we're going to have a bigger, more dangerous story.
0: Yep. And this drug that takes away Quirk's, is in in play and it's Mm -hmm. specifically stated that they think it's in a test phase Mm -hmm. and could become more potent later so like these are all things that we have going into this and this is not lost on our heroes our young heroes who are commiserating after this meeting and kind of consoling each other because deku and mirio are beside themselves with guilt
1: they feel absolutely terrible and you could see the concern from the other students including oh i don't remember her name the blue haired girl hado Hado, who (laughs) tells muriel being like hey you may be depressed but that doesn't impact the outcome of anything which is totally true but also the worst thing to say to someone that is depressed. Very in line with her character.
0: Your depression is useless. Why bother? Why
1: bother? Um, which, hey, you know, probably works for her. She's a very happy character. So as they're sitting there discussing all of this, they get a visit from Eraserhead.
0: Eraserhead is like, man, I was going to tell everybody to cancel your internships because this is a little too real for you guys. Yeah. And everyone's up in arms about it, but he's like, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not
1: going to do it because... I know you, Deku, I haven't quite forgiven you for anything for all of this yet, the stuff with uh, Bakugo. And he says, so I am going to basically allow you to be a part of this so I can keep an eye on you. And it's actually a really nice moment where he sort of like kneels in front of them and gives them a little punch, very light, sort of like affectionate punch on the chest. And it feels almost like a fatherly motion.
0: Yeah, he says, if you're going to do this, do this the right way. Yeah. Like, don't go run off and, like, half-cocked and do it on your own. It really points something out. Like, I feel like there's a bunch of father figures in this show. And I feel like All Might is, like, the doting dad Mm -hmm. who, like, was boisterous. And is like, let's go to the ball game kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I I often feel like Eraserhead is is the tough parent. Yeah, he's the
1: stricter figure.
0: Where it's very clear, even in season one, like, after Deku throws that ball, like, half a million yards with one finger, Eraserhead realizes this kid's a real deal. Like, he's he's a good thinker. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of power. Like, he can figure it out. But he's also frustrated on a regular basis by the kid's lack of regard for protocol and, and rules.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, or his own safety. Or
0: his own safety. <laughs> but he really... Gives a shit. That's the thing I love about Eraserhead. He's this like really hardened street level hero who really, really gives a fuck Mm -hmm. about these kids. And it really shows in this scene.
1: And I think it helps because, like, after this talk and Hado making that really inappropriate comment about depression, like, everyone seems to be more fired up. They seem like they're more determined and they, they're they willing to act and they're ready to act. Um, Karishima even makes a comment about, I'll follow Eraserhead for the rest of my life. And he Eraserhead's that's like, too nah, nah, that's too long. <laughs> long. Um, but they're they're ready to go.
0: Yeah, they're ready to go. We also have a scene with Eye and Gran Torino because they know each
1: other. Yeah, obviously they have that connection as a result of All Might. And Eye makes a comment about how, so basically, you sent Deku to me because you want me and All Might to sort of mend this rift.
0: <laughs> Gran Torino's over there, like guilty as guilty as charged. I'm an old man who comes off as a hard ass, but really I have a heart of gold.
1: And he was All Might's teacher. If you think about it. So in some ways, like he's still trying to guide him and teach him. And he talks to Nighteye about like his impressions of Deku. And Nighteye compares him to All Might.
0: Yeah, he's like, that kid is so much like All Might. I, what does he say? I can see the same madness in him that I never mm-hmm. really understood. Which, you know, translated is that unquenchable passion mm-hmm. to save people.
1: Yes, no matter what. And that is the end of the episode, except for, once again, a post credit scene. Po-
0: all post credit scenes all, all the, the time.
1: time. This one gives us a glimpse of Aerie. And she's in bed, and she's woken up by one of Overhaul's wackies with this kind of weird two-toned hair. Hashtag new goon. Yep, yeah, a new goon. And the goon's like, hey, how you doing? You haven't really, you know, um, touched any of the toys I bought you or whatever. What is up with this? And Aerie is very... As you might expect for a child who is being experimented upon, she's not really charmed by toys.
0: Yep, she's (laughs) had a real rough life. Yeah. And this guy is like, please be happy. I don't want to get...
1: I don't want to get exploded. exploded. (laughs) Like the last guy. And he ends up leaving her. And he thinks to himself, like, geez, I don't really get kids. Maybe she wants glitter or something. And I'm like, okay... Maybe you really are that dumb. But I think the issue is the trauma that she has experienced, not necessarily a lack of stuff. But we go back to Eri and we get a bit of her sort of internal monologue where she thinks back on Deku and she realizes that no one has ever really treated her with the same level of kindness that he did, which is so depressing.
0: Like, you gotta remember for this child, every single touch that she's ever received has been like invasive. Yeah and hurtful and painful she makes a comment about how he had such kind hands
1: Mm -hmm. and which you know matches up what we saw in that scene and what we know about Deku Deku is a purely good character and from the perspective of someone that has only experienced interactions with you know very dark people like that is gonna stick with you
0: yep and then she cries and then I cried and it was very sad
1: I definitely feel like the show does a good job of making you feel bad for her because I mean there's a lot of dangers in using the child in danger storyline because if you it's the sort of thing that if you reach for it too often it can go some dark places but you know it's something that people reach for a lot for a reason because you have this sort of natural instinct to want this little girl to be okay
0: yeah and it's really interesting because like, you see it a lot in literature, mm-hmm. and, like, Coraline by, by Neil Gaiman is yes. a great example. For kids, reading that book is a fun adventure where they yeah, go Yeah, she goes, you and, know,
1: she goes to another world and, like, you know, all this stuff like that. But as an adult, you read it, and it's like, oh, God, child in peril.
0: Child in peril. Like, <laughs> especially parents who read that book. Like, mm-hmm. there's this sense of dread uh, that accompanies these magical adventures that she goes on because... I think we can all see children in dangerous situations and they're like culturally mm-hmm. there is this automatic feeling of like pitting your stomach mm-hmm. oh my god yeah. like we we have to help this child
1: yeah so what do you think of this episode
0: i like this episode despite the fact that there's a lot
1: yeah uh, i feel the same way i think it's interesting that we meet all these new characters and i feel like in the long run we could have gone more interesting places than we end up going with them i sometimes feel like watching that scene that it would have been more powerful if some of the people that we meet are people that we already had an emotional attachment to like the pussycats for example so then we wouldn't necessarily need to like you know establish their character and so on and so forth but they just they decided not to do that so we have these new people and we i think the character with you know the locks on him like we get a a decent idea for who he is. But we don't get too decent an idea for, like, Ochako's mentor, for example.
0: Yeah, which is too bad. Cause she's really cool. Yeah. She's a dragon lady.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> I think the things that this episode does well is it does a really good job of establishing and raising the stakes. Yep. It does a really good job of the emotional gut punch for the characters. Mm-hmm. And its softer moments are really well done.
1: Yeah, the scene at the end between... Deku and Eraserhead really makes the episode because I feel like if it didn't have that moment the episode would be entirely exposition which it can be fun to sit down and sort of pick apart and stuff like that but you can't have something that's entirely in you know intelligence based or cerebral or whatever you need to have that emotional element and I think by having that scene with Eraserhead and also having Deku and Mirio's reactions of guilt that definitely make things feel a little more emotionally impactful
0: i think it's important too like this this whole series is is deku's story right mm-hmm. like the story of how he became the greatest hero this is the first time in an official capacity he is being given an opportunity to make a difference mm-hmm. like a really big difference an important thing and that scene with the racer head at the end is him encouraging him to do it the right way yep. Like, get off on the right foot. Do this the way you're supposed to do it. And I think Deku's understanding of this and acceptance of this is character growth for him in a way that's that's really impactful. Because he does have a tendency to run off half-cocked mm-hmm. to go do things when he feels it's necessary.
1: So good. Do You have a plus ultra character of the episode. That's oh, kind of a hard one this time. It's kind of a time. hard
0: one this time. I think I'm going to give it to night Eye this episode for really setting up the board, I think, mm-hmm. in their favor in a way that really, really makes sense. Like, it looks like he's predicted every possibility, Yeah, which is true to his character, but it's also very impressive in execution.
1: I'm going to have to agree with you there. Like, this isn't an episode that's about powers, really. And you can make a comment about how Fatgum pointed out how impressive Karishima is, but that's but stuff that happened in a previous episode. like I feel like this is more of a way to show off Night Eye's strengths. And how those strengths go beyond his powers themselves. So I'll have to give it to Night Eye as well.
0: Yep. He is a smarty pants. And mm-hmm. it's very easy to see like why he and All Might were so successful together. The brawn and the brain mm-hmm. in one place.
1: There you go. That's the episode. That is the episode.
0: You can tell us all about this meeting. Well, who was your favorite minor hero who we didn't know at this meeting there were a lot of them
1: do you really like that centipede dude
0: i really like the centipede dude he wears a suit
1: i i like the the sort of contrast you get between the fact that he is a traditionally very monstrous sort of figure but he's very uh, proper and polite, and
0: dignified. And
1: dignified. I like. Th- I really like that contrast there.
0: You can discuss that with us over on Twitter. We're at one for all cast. Additionally, you can follow our other many exploits on Twitter. I'm at incidentally Anna, and Nancy is at
1: Watch Nancy tweets.
0: Now, if you love the show, or you enjoy the show, or you listen every week, we would love to get a rating and/or review from you on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps the show out. Thank you to everybody who has reviewed. In the past. Now don't forget, Nancy writes books. She Mm -hmm. recently had a hero book come out in her Red and Black series. And she also has a novella coming out in a fairy tale retelling.
1: On August 4th, I have the first book in my Twin Kingdoms novella series coming out. So it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And the the you know remaining three novellas will be released in relatively quick succession over the course of six months so if you want some hero stuff read the red and black series if you also want to read about a monstrous figure that is quite dignified read my beauty and the beast retelling uh the rose and the claw
0: and that's really it from us. We just want to give a quick thank you to you all for listening. We do this for you. We wouldn't travel halfway across the state and record if you weren't here to to listen every week. So thank you for that. A big thank you to Richard DaCosta for our opening and ending credits. And of course, a very special thank you to my wonderful co-host, Nancy. And with that, we will see you next time as we dive into Season 4, Episode 7, Go!
1: We'll see you then. Bye-bye!